So, Berto, I realize that I'm a bad Japanese-American person. You are? Yeah, I'm, I'm terrible. I, I'm, I, 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 there's a key movie that I'm going to take a stab and say it is the Japanese-American movie. Karate Kid. Yeah. <laughs> and I've never even heard of it until a patron, patron Cora, actually informed me about it. And then I watched it, and I said to him, and as I was watching I was like, how have I never seen or even heard of this movie? I am a terrible Japanese-American person. Well, as long as it doesn't have Dennis Quaid, I agree. Yeah. So this is a, uh, an email from patron Cora. But first, let's introduce the podcast. This is the podcast called Psychology in Seattle. And I am your host, Dr. Kirk J. Honda. I am a professor at Antioch University, and I'm also a marriage and family therapist. My name is Humberto Castaneda, and I am a licensed receptionist. Patron Cora writes, I, like Kirk, am half Japanese, and I am very interested in Japanese culture. I heard you guys talking about the movie Snow Falling on Cedars, and Kirk mentioned that there weren't many movies that dealt with the subject of Japanese internment camps during World War II. One of my favorite movies is Come See the Paradise, because it was about a Japanese family in California who ended up in one of the camps. So that's the end of her uh, email here. So, yeah, that's what I want to talk about today. The movie called, uh, wait, what was it called? Come again? See the Paradise. Come See the Paradise. Yeah. And it's based. I really like that movie. Oh, you've seen it? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it, I haven't seen all of it. I've seen it maybe. A trailer? Uh, no, I, I, I've watched as long as I had today after I found out that we were going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so just a, a bit about the movie. It's directed by Alan Parker. Do you know this director? I don't know. No. I... He he directed Bugsy Malone in 1976. Hmm. You've probably never seen this movie as Scott Bayo and Jodie Foster as, as children. What? And I saw this movie in 1976 on, on Christmas Eve. On, with my family, every Christmas Eve, we would always go see a movie. Mm. That night, it was a tradition. It still mm. is to this day. We still s try to see a movie well, on the twenty fourth. The twenty fourth, yeah. Weird. And in, back in the day, there would only be maybe one theater that was even open on sure. on Christmas Eve night. Now they're open all day on <laughs> Christmas, even. Right. So it's much better pickings now. But as a kid, we would always have to pick a movie that kids could see, obviously. And one of the big movies in 1976 was Bugsy Malone. It's basically the Godfather, but the instead of shooting bullets, they shoot this like goopy white stuff that doesn't what? actually kill anyone. But it's sort of like I don't know. You have to watch it. It's weird. It's it's very strange. It's all these children dressed up like adults. Uh -huh. So there's no adults in this world. It's oh. all children, and they're basically Godfather in the 20s, 30s kind of time. Anyway. I was wondering why, because you said, you know, it had to be a movie the kids could see. Yeah. And then you're saying you saw a gangster movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Alan Parker directed uh, Come See the Paradise. He also directed Fame in 1980. Really? I like Fame. Fame. I want to live, I wanna live forever. forever. I want to learn how to fly. Hi. She, Irene Cara. Cara. Irene Cara saying that. He also... Directed Pink Floyd, The Wall. <gasps> no way. That's crazy. That's cr How did I not know that? He directed Angel Heart. Do you remember that movie? I've seen it. That movie, but went in the eight, late 80s, it has Robert De Niro in it. It's like dark. Angel Heart? 
Yeah, Angel yeah, Heart. I haven't seen it. it is. Isn't it Robert De Niro? Anyway, in the late '80s, it was one of the first movies that was kind of dark, and I mean, there's been dark movies over time, but it was a it was a famous sort of underground movie mm-hmm. that when I saw it. At the time, I thought I felt very adult oh. watching it. If that makes any sense, I, actually, I'm not sure if I've seen it. The name sounds familiar because but... you know, a year earlier, I was watching like Ghostbusters, <laughs> and then I see Angel Heart, and I'm just like, "What? Hey, is Ghostbusters this? is dark." Yeah, <laughs> Mississippi Burning, which I'm sure you. <gasps> I heard. love that movie. Yeah, then he directed Come See the Paradise, 1990. The Commitments he directed. Uh, I never watched The Commitments. What I know, but but I have great news for you. Guess what movie I finally watched? Uh, wait, we've talked about this. Which one? Sicario. Oh, did you like it? Oh my God, I loved it. Nice. Really great. Well, now you have to watch The Commitments. I mean, really, you should have watched The Commitments before Sicario, although I'm glad you saw Sicario, but The Commitments is about a band that I gets know, together. I know. And you and I, and the guy from Once is the bassist huh? in the band that gets together. What? Yeah. The- the 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 guy the actor in once yeah what's his name um uh glenn, glenn... scarsh no um wait 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 what year was the commitment 91 so he was acting all the way back then yeah well he was very young and very oh. thin yeah and he has long holy crap long curly red hair but anyway, it's a great movie. I mean, I don't know how it holds up, but when I saw it in 91, I it was just mind-blowing to me. Oh, yeah. I'll watch it for sure. It's just at the time I was in high school watching Jean-Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal movies. Yeah. The Road to Wellville, 94. And Evita, ah, I like that. Evita in 96, among many other movies. Okay, it, the, the movie Come See the Paradise stars Tamlin Tomita, one of the most famous... Japanese American actresses of all time. She, do you know what else she was in? I know the name, but I I wouldn't know. She was in Karate Kid too. Is she the mom? No, she's, she's the, she was the love interest. The love interest okay. for for Ralph Macchio. So she's younger. Yeah, she okay. she's probably, she was younger. She's then. probably our age. Yeah. Okay. And by the way, Karate Kid two uh, also stars Yuji o- 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 Okamoto. From Kona Kitchen. Yes. Is he in no. uh, Paradise? No. Okay. But we played there at Kona. Yeah. So, so the bad guy in Karate Kid 2 was, he lives in Seattle and he has a it's restaurant. Near, sweetest guy ever. Yeah, sweetest guy ever. And we've actually played there a couple times. Yeah. Or, or I've played there. Anyway, they have Same a- karaoke. Yeah. Well, there's karaoke and then there's, they actually have live music. Oh, you actually played there? You and I sang the entire, performed oh, yeah, yeah. the entire Rubber Soul album there. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had a recording of that because we That's a good point. we rehearsed the shit out of that. Yeah, and then we just performed once and we never did it again. That's true. There's something wrong with that. <laughs> but anyway, I'll never forget Yuji. Uh, he gave me a moose. We were drinking, singing karaoke, and I was hungry, and the restaurant was closed, and I was bummed out. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, the, the kitchen's closed. I was like, oh. And then like 10 minutes later, he comes out from the back and he gives me a Spam Musubi. Oh, my God. That's just for, awesome. And I was looking. I was, Are you, I was like, how much? He's like, ah, it's yours. He's fine. And I was just like, what? Anyway. <laughs> um, so, uh, by the way, I just in preparation for this, I wanted to see her in Karate Kid, too. So I was watching some clips. <laughs> and I have to tell you, this is super racist of me to say about 
my own father, but my dad and Mr. Miyagi are very similar. Oh, I <laughs> my, my dad's Japanese. That. My dad's Japanese, and I could see that. Although my dad isn't from Japan, so he doesn't have that. He doesn't, you know, speak in. Is Mr. Miyagi Japanese? Yeah, he's. I mean, I know in the movie he's Okinawan, but it was the actor. No, Pat. Pat Morita. Morita. Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, he spoke perfect English, so I, I'm assuming he was born in the States, but I don't but know. But was he of Japanese descent? Yeah. Okay. Morita has a Japanese Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Okay. Uh, uh, let's see. Tamlin, Tamita, she, when you look at her filmography, she's been in at least one movie since she was a teenager every year until now. Oh, wow. But, but a lot of stuff that you've just never Was heard. she in Joy Luck Club? Yes, exactly. Ah, that was I knew I had seen her. 93. And that was kind of the end of when I became... She was also in Babylon 5. Never watched it. Which I watched kind of. Um, so, incidentally, Tamlin Tamita, her father was interned during World War II at Manzanar. Oh, my God. Uh, my family was interned at, at Heart Mountain. And she was also queen of Nisei Week pageant in Los Angeles in 84, uh, in which my cousin in Los Angeles, I think, was also queen in the 90s. Oh. So I have that connection to her. Okay, Dennis Quaid, just running down all the movies he's been in. <laughs> uh, which And he's been in, I don't know, 50 to 60 different movies. Over Enemy years. Mine. Uh, 79, he was in Breaking Away. In 81, he was in Caveman with, yep. with Ringo Starr. 81, he was in Stripes as an extra. Oh. In 83, Jaws 3D. Uh, <laughs> so so I this is back when 3D so th- if you hate 3D now think about how 3D was in 1983 it was terrible sure me and my friends in middle school I remember it was one of the first kind of outings that I was able to go on with my friends or one of the one of the first times my friends went on an outing without any supervision so we just got we all just got dropped off in Overlake uh-huh. and there was a cinema there that isn't there anymore and by like the IHOP, do you know, or the... In what? Overlake? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know where that is. Okay, there, there, there was a, it's where I saw Empire Strikes Back, incidentally. There was a cinema? By the way, for those of you who wanted a pure talk about Japanese-American internment, <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you, this is a typical episode. We, we just, we're having fun. Meander. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I remember, like, I must have been 12 years old, and I just thought it was so cool that me and like six other... <laughs> girls and boys were in Bellevue just kind of wandering around it before and after the movie. And, but the movie was just utter shit back, back then sequels were truly just money makers. They could care. Like you had jaws one, which is for some one people, the, the best movies, the best, their favorite <laughs> movie of all time. You have Rocky one. No, 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 no. Do not. Uh, 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 Rocky two is great. Okay. It's okay, but three, four. Ah, uh, okay, yes. You have Superman, yes. great movie. Superman two is good. Superman two is okay, but got, three, four, and oh, yes. five. So okay, but can we can we agree that that the the second ones of some of those, like Godfather one and two, pretty good. But three isn't that bad. People hate it, but I actually, I actually, I mean, in comparison, it's not as good. But, uh, but I'm trying to help your point here. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, my point is is that in the eighties. There were people talk about how sequels aren't as good, and I'm here to tell you that the sequels of today are a better. billion times better than the sequels yeah. of yesteryear. Uh, yeah, because no, you're right. It, what, what it was is it was usually 
you would have a hit because we're sort of naming big movies. Yeah. But if you don't name the big movies, yeah. what it is, you would have a hit, yeah. and then they would do all these little B versions of that first hit with sometimes new actors, right? And they would just slap a, a two on there, right? <laughs> I mean, the, the contrast between Jaws 1 and Jaws 3D, it's yeah, just like, it's just yeah. Uh, and sometimes, but sometimes they would have the same actor, because yeah. the actor, anyway. Uh, same year as Jaws 3D, he was in The Right Stuff, which is an amazing movie. Uh, he was in Dreamscape. Have you seen this movie, Dreamscape? I don't know. This is one of my favorite movies as a kid. So they, they, some, they, there's these people who... I can't remember why or how, but they know how to go into other people's dreams, but they have to be near them. And so these like federal agents go into this other guy's mind and they do, I can't remember what they do. And is he one of the federal agents or is he one of the... Yeah, he's one of the good guys. Oh, okay. But I, this was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Oh, I want to see that. Dreamscape, yeah. Uh, the Big Easy, which was a real popular movie. Inner Space. Do you remember Inner Space? Oh, yeah. Where they get shrunk and go into the body. Yeah, yeah. that was great. Great Balls of Fire, where he yeah. plays Jerry Lee Lewis. I love that movie. Uh, Comes to the Paradise. Postcards from the Edge, written by Carrie Fisher. I never saw that one. Wyatt Earp. He yeah, plays Doc Holliday. Good. Dragonheart. Did you ever see Dragonheart? E- with the Sean Connery voice? Uh, no. Maybe. Was but, that where it's a big dragon? Yeah, Sean big Connery. dragon. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't like that. Yeah. Uh, 98, Parent Trap, Any Given Sunday, Frequency, Traffic. Oh, gosh. I'm a cop. I'm a firefighter, not a cop. <laughs> uh, t- uh, traffic, Far From Heaven. Far From Heaven, uh, uh, Julie, no, Julia, no, what's her name? The redhead, uh, she's in a bunch of things. Oh, anyway. Hey, wait, is Far From Heaven the one where he dies and then he has to go back to uh, amend some things? Or is that a uh, Is that one? the one? All I remember is Far From Heaven is one of those like artsy movies that I liked, if that oh, makes okay. any sense. Uh, the Alamo, he plays Sam Houston or Houston. The Day After Tomorrow, G.I. <laughs> Joe, The Rise of Cobra. Uh, the reboot of Footloose, which I didn't even know existed. Yep, I didn't see it. He plays, the, he plays the Reverend Sean Moore. And then most recently, A Dog's Purpose, which... Of course, got a lot of bad press. What about Enemy Mine? You didn't mention Enemy. Oh, Mine. I, I don't. I don't know that movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm not mentioning the majority of the. That movies one was good. Where he's a, he he encounters this alien, and they're both marooned in a planet, but they've been fighting. Humans and these aliens have been fighting, so they're mortal enemies. Oh, I think I have seen that. Yeah, is someone like dressed up as like a lizard face? Or yeah, something? yeah, 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 yeah. And isn't it, isn't it Lou Gossett Jr.? Yeah, I think I think you're right. <laughs> and they become, you know, yeah, of course. Best best buds. Yeah. So, uh guess how much this film was budgeted? Uh come come see the paradise. 90 what? Uh 90. I 90. Think. Oh, jeez. Um hmm, 20 yeah. million. Uh 20 million close. 15 million. You're pretty good at this game. How much do you think it made in the box office? Ooh, 7 million. 1 million. Eek. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think uh, it, to me, oh, so fifteen million for a nineteen ninety movie. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, and it shows because this movie, every shot, I was like, "My God, that's an expensive shot for <laughs> for thirty because sure. it's a period piece where they they can't use any practical sets. They have to create an entire yeah. world. Every single shot, the costumes, the cars. When they're in the internment camp, they have to create an internment camp. There's no standing wow. internment. When you when you make a movie today, you can just walk into a restaurant or walk yeah. into a house. 
they had to create everything that from the film, a working film projector from, you know, the CG. (laughs) Yeah. And so it was, uh, I just thought like, man, how have I not even heard it? Because I thought it was going to be low budget, blah, blah, blah. But in some ways you, I think this is probably the most, the uh, highest budget for a Japanese American movie, right? And and I and I hadn't even heard of it. Like what? Like I never I, heard of it. I'm a terrible Japanese American. But anyway, it I, only the, made the one base. million dollars. Fifteen million they spent on it, which is a big surprise. I guess it's because they had uh, these two stars in it and this and this wonderful director. But what they didn't realize is white Americans don't give a shit about Japanese Americans and how they went to camp. Yeah, I think most of them don't even realize. Yeah, but they don't. But they don't care anyway, or they don't care enough to go to a movie, particularly in 1990. Was that taught in schools back then? I don't remember uh, because I always knew my family went to the internment mm, camp. I see. And so uh, I don't remember. And I'm guessing that if it was talked about, it was pretty briefly, you know? So the bit of the movie that I watched, you have these scenes, like you're saying, very elaborate scenes. I saw the part, there's... They're at like a like an entertainment, like a club with this guy singing, and all these Japanese people, and they're all talking in full Japanese. Yeah, and um, I don't know if it was like I it didn't have subtitles in the version I was watching, hmm. so I don't know if it never had subtitles or no, it, it did. It didn't always subtitle things. Okay, sometimes it wouldn't subtitle things. It's just like uh, you get the picture. <laughs> but so many Japanese actors and actresses. Yeah, yeah. and that was the thing, like. Looking at the credits, these are legit Japanese Americans or Japanese people. Yeah. And yeah, totally interesting movie to me. I don't recommend it. I recommend it to, to watch it, but I don't imagine other people are going to like it. If, but if you're Japanese American, I'm guessing you'll really like this. This movie was like looking into my family history. My Japanese ancestors came over in the around 1900. So by the by the so this movie takes place in the 30s and 40s. So by the 30s, a lot of those people who came around in 1900 had had children and had children that were grown. So my grandfather, born in 1910, by the 30s he was in his 20s. So that guy singing, for instance, in that scene could have been my dad. Wow. You know what I mean? And so. And they call them Nisei. So in, in, we call them Issei, which is first generation. Those are the people that came over. And Nisei, Nisei is two generations, second oh. generation. Those are, those are, that's my grandparents. And we have Sansei, which is my dad. And then we have Gosei, which is me. And then you have the next generation is... Um, oh, is that man, what? There was a Nisei teriyaki in the U District. Yeah. So there, it's, it means second generation. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so Japanese are very into counting things, you know, like Ichido is first son. Uh, okay. my, uh, Jido, my father's middle name, is second son. Sanjudo is, is mm. my uncle's uh, middle name. It means third son. Guess what? He was the third son. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot of counting of things, you know. But anyway, um, yeah, totally interesting to me. This was like watching my great grandparents and my grandparents. And their lives, because they depict, I could, you know, I'm a very, I'm a stickler for accuracy. And of course, I didn't live back then, but I know enough about the time and my own family. As I was watching this movie, I was like, that is probably exactly the way it was. I I will say, not knowing anything about that, uh, the scenes with Dennis Quaid and his family and stuff like that, it felt really well done, because they didn't feel at all like actors 
pretending to be in a different time period. It, I, I almost couldn't quite understand their interactions because they felt so, sort of like authentically from a different era. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man. And it, it, like they, they spoke obviously different you know, with a different accent. And the things that this, they were saying and the, it, I was like, oh, my gosh, I feel like I feel like I don't belong in this scene. Like I couldn't relate to these people. <laughs> yeah. It's almost as if the movie doesn't have a bad guy. There's yeah. there's no there's no evil character. You know, it, it's it's just it's almost like a recreation in some ways. But it's not a great movie. Uh, I'm going to tell you uh, the story. It's a little slow. Um, and yet again, we need to have a white guy to be at the center. Dennis uh. Quaid. This is a movie about Japanese Americans and how they went to the camps in World War II. Why does there need to be Dennis Quaid in this movie? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's so dumb. Um, I although I do, that's why. <laughs> although, it, well, pff, 2017, we had uh, Emma Stone playing uh, an Asian American who lives in Hawaii in that movie. Uh, but she looks Japanese. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it is still around. I can't tell you how many times I am watching TV or a movie or something, an Asian face pops up on the screen and they're. They're in America, and I'm like, please speak normal English. Please speak. Don't speak with an accent. And almost 90% of the time, an accent will come out of their mouth. <laughs> That's true. Do you know how many fucking... <laughs> That's true. Thou- hundreds, I don't know, how many, how many thousands and uh, millions probably? See, there's pro- Asian Americans who, who were born in America, what... 20 million or something there's a there's a lot of us and hollywood is where all the stuff is made there's a shit ton of asian americans in la yeah so why does there always have to be why does why do and and here's the thing the asians who who are often in these tv shows and movies who are speaking in broken english because they're playing a foreigner are often like fourth generation of America. So they're having to fake an accent. And I can tell they're faking an accent. <laughs> you know, I can tell like in, um, the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, yeah. the guy who plays dong. Oh yeah. When he, I can tell he's faking a Korean accent, you know, but it, it's just it now again, fine. You want to have a, a foreigner, but if as an Asian American, I just have to tell you it, it, be, it gets, it's old. Like, yeah. Like, it would be okay if that happened alongside just regular Asian characters playing regular, you know, Asian Americans without accents, uh, which which is happening a little bit more, a little bit more often, which I'm really enjoying. Uh, Like the guy on Community that, uh, what's that guy? He was from The Hangover. Uh, really funny guy. Oh, um, uh, God, was he was a doctor actually before he came, became a comedian. But anyway, um, I mean, as a Hispanic person, is it the same for you? That's an interesting question because I think what happens is that usually you have, uh, you know, mostly it's Mexicans. Yeah, and they they speak English, and they speak English with what I would call a L.A. Mexican accent. Yeah, but it's not the broken English that you hear an Asian person speak. It's more like the essay. Are we going to go down to the thing? But it's still English. That's funny. Intelligible. It's just like, it's just like regional American English, right? Yeah. 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 Um, And you know, but I, but still that would be annoying if you're Mexican American and you don't speak with that. I will say that 
you know, there's not that many Colombians. You know, there's the, that one gal in Modern Family. Yeah. And she speaks with, but that's her real. I mean, she she has a huge accent in real life. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's not fake. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, I went to L.A. last week, and I went to the Phil Dunphy household. The Did Phil you, Dunphy, you know, and Mary. Uh, oh, I don't Modern watch Family. it, but oh, so there's three main houses in this in Modern Family, uh, and the main one we went to the house. Oh, and, is it like an open set or something? Or? No, it's just a regular house. So they shoot the insides in a different location. Oh, I see. The outside is what... But the outside shots. It. Yeah, anyway. I felt very special. <laughs> but I felt like I was totally creeping on whoever was living there. You know? <laughs> well, I'm sure they get that all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, it's... it's uh, in every movie about my people, there, there, there frequently has to be a white guy. Snow Falling on Cedars had... Uh, Ethan Hawke in it, Last Samurai, which isn't about Japanese Americans, but of course it you know had Tom Cruise, right? Uh, Shogun, even the movie, sh- uh, the TV show Shogun had yep. a, the, du- uh, a Dutch guy, Richard Chamberlain, Richard Chamberlain, yeah. Karate Kid, you know all these kinds of things. Uh, I now there are movies that have pure Asian American casts, uh, and movies about the uh, internment camps that aren't uh, that aren't as popular, but. Anyway, to, to me, whenever I, I see this kind of stuff happening, it's like it, it'd be as if every movie about Caucasian Americans, like, you know, I don't know, Caucasian American. Like if you wanted to make a movie about Indiana basketball team in, in the 70s and it was all white. And, right. you know, you had you had an all because they were in Indiana. They were the whole basketball team was white. The coach was white. The spectators were white. But you always inserted in the middle uh, of it's like some guy from Bat Botswana or something. Yeah. You know, like every single movie about Caucasian Americans had a token Botswana person who was. Is Botswana a country? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get sued by the Botswanians. <laughs> well, so wherever about, or maybe it's a city. Maybe, you know, the, the maybe it's a region. Is, if they're not a country, we're not going to get sued. If they are, we are, but for the wrong reason. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it's it's like it's not even as if there's always a random person inserted. It's always a Caucasian person. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, like in <laughs> seven years in Tibet, it's, 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 it's Brad Pitt, you know, it, it's Brad freaking Pitt. Yeah. It's always Caucasian, oh you know? God. So as a person who's outside of that, I, you know, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm always like, why, you know, at least get, Keanu Reeves is half something. Yeah. I get it. Uh, I think he's actually a little Asian. Yeah, he's um, he's part Asian. Yeah. You know, I realize it's for marketing. You're trying to market it to white people. Right. But two things. Often Hollywood underestimates its market. And two, Americans need to pull their heads out of their ass and actually start watching movies that don't have any white people in it. Do you know that you were holding the number three with your hand when you were on number two verbally? Damn it. <laughs> um, I wanted you to read between the lines. Um <laughs> But it's a great movie, uh, Come See the Paradise. It's a great movie if you want to see what it was like for Japanese-Americans on the mainland, because uh, the mainland Japanese were different from Hawaii Japanese. But it's a great movie if you want to see what it was like for Japanese-Americans in the 30s and 40s. And incidentally, they end up in Seattle in part of the part of the movie. It takes I read that ma- on the Wikipedia ma- Mainly in, in L.A. But, um, you know, just to get into some politics, this is very similar to the way people are reacting to Muslim Americans right now. That, right. That, that's why I think there's a there's been an upsurge of 
of talk about the internment camps. Mm. I actually don't like the the term internment camp. I, I because it sounds innocuous or something. Internment. It's like, what does that mean? You know, an internment. internship. You're doing an internship. Yeah, it should be called a prison. It should. Yeah. It's a prison. You know, by any definition, it's a fucking prison. Yeah. It's not a relocation, which is another name you'll hear sometimes, relocation. They were not being relocated. They were being imprisoned. Right. This is a prison camp. This was the imprisonment of, of, of American citizens for no reason. Right. And, uh, Just like Auschwitz should be called like the murder camp or something. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Not, the, not these, a retreat camp. Yeah. Or, in, or internment camp, yeah, you internment. know, the, or concentration camp is sometimes. Oh, yeah. Word. That's what they call them. Concentration camps. But that if you didn't know the context, it does sound like, well, you know, people get concentrated there. Right. It should be called either a prison camp or or a murder camp. Yeah, right. It, yeah. Like, I don't like these these words that make it sound something other than what it was. Right. Because Japanese Americans were given no option. And they and these places were were prisons. They were not nice places. Yeah, they were they were worse than prisons yeah. because they put them in the middle of nowhere where the weather was very bad, and they basically found places that were so far away from civilization. You know, places in Wyoming, Eastern California. Uh, I think Nevada had some camps. You know, in the middle of the desert, and just horrible conditions. They constructed these shacks, you know, with no uh, preparation, just wood. Just imagine just a wood shack yeah. that like a 12 year old could build out of like planks of wood. No, no insulation oh, man. and, and no rooms. The entire seven people family would live in the same small, like 12 by 12 shacks. And so, um, and the bathrooms, no stalls. It was just the latrine was just a huge. That was like what often the the Japanese Americans will talk about. They'll be like, "Yeah, it was terrible." But the worst part was the bathrooms because the latrine had had you know twenty toilets in it, and Jeez. and the toilets were just out in the middle of the room. And this isn't like ten generations ago, right? This That's was crazy. this these are my my grandparents who were in that generation who were imprisoned, um, like one of my relatives actually just passed away a couple years ago, uh, and, and he was in, in the camps. Uh, but anyway, uh, but imagine like, you, imagine your grandma or your mom having to go on a toilet yeah. in the middle of a room with like 50 people yep. looking at you. That's Wait, crazy. The toilet wouldn't even have a wall on the back. It would just be in the middle of the room. Right. Uh, showers, same. No... Like no privacy. It's not hard to put up a fucking curtain. <laughs> it's the, and they depict this in the movie actually, where grandma is is on the toilet and she would have the uh, daughter standing around her with with a sheet. Oh man! <laughs> and so uh, so yeah. You gotta wonder too if the war had started headed heading south, what would have happened to all those people? You know. Well, yeah. Uh, or if. Yeah, if, if Japanese people actually invaded. Like if Japan had started sort of gaining ground and started coming to the mainland and stuff, 
you got to wonder if we if, if we I wasn't even here or anything, but if there would have been more viciousness yeah. towards. The other thing is, were they built right next to the German internment camps? Yeah, or the Italian internment <laughs> camps? Yeah, or all the Russian internment camps during yeah. during the, the Cold, Cold War? War. Um, yeah, so this is very similar to the way currently we're reacting to Muslims. It's not the same because we're not actually in uh, rounding up. Ev- we rounded up. Every single Japanese-American person, even those people who were born in the United States, were American citizens. That's crazy. We rounded all of them up within and gave them five days to pack up their shit, and they could only take what they could carry. That is so, so unbelievable. It's almost like a mini-genocide, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you decimate... My relatives had hotels in Yakima, Washington. Uh, they had farms in Wapato. Did they lose that stuff? Of course they did. What? Because there's no, there was no oh like God. government service to step up and keep, and track, keep track or to run your hotels for and you. how or long to, were they in these uh, uh, they were, prisons? Uh, for, depending on the situation, like three to four years, yeah. Oh my God. See, this is, I, 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 I really don't even have a concept of how bad this was. Yeah. Like you're sitting here telling me this. I feel like it's the first time I've really heard the facts. Yeah, an entire community. Again, imagine you, every single person in your family, your you know, little ones, old ones, everybody rounded up and you and you can only bring what you can carry. Just imagine that. You, Umberto, tomorrow that have thing. to be on a train. You can only bring what you can carry like, on the train. Yeah, on the train. Yeah. Like that is 0.1% of your stuff, you know? Um, so anyway, uh, but what, it's like Muslims Americans right now. What, what, what did happen? Like, what happened to their houses? Did people take them over? Did, uh, what, what happened? There were various different, res, you know, results. Some people just had to walk away and, like, the bank would, you know, take it back. Because oh, they weren't making their payments. Right. Or, or people would have to sell their house. And they had like two days to sell it, and and there were people going around going like, I'll give well, you $10. I'll, yeah, I'll give you ten bucks, and they're like, well, it's better than nothing. Or people would vandalize their house, or occasionally there would be we go hakujin, which are white people would help. They would either uh, pay rent, or or they would pay the they would pay they would step in and actually yeah. save your stuff or hold on to your stuff while you're yeah. gone. But that was pretty rare. Anyway, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So, um, so right now we are so back. So in that context, at that time, 1942, Americans were terrified of Japanese people. It's hard to under. It's hard to believe now because Japanese people are the most. When you think Japanese, you think Hello Kitty. Yeah. You know, you think you know weird videos on the internet. You and know. sort of idolized by a portion of the U.S. Right. Like, yeah. of the cultures that are idolized, yeah. Japan is one of them, and they're idolized for very silly things, you know, cartoons and stuff. Well, so, some of it is good cultural things that they've done, you know, meaning, um, I think a lot of their movies, a lot of their yeah. manga and stuff like that has, right. has art. been admired, yeah. you know. But, art, but yeah. no one is afraid of Japan as a country. Right. You know, we're not... There's not a fear of Japanese immigrants, for instance, right? right? But in 42, it was a hu- the, times the Muslim scare times 100. That's yeah, what it was sure. like. And 
I mean, because imagine what it would take for an for America, land of the free, land right. of the Constitution, to round up. I don't tens of thousands of their citizens. You know, I think something like hundred fifty thousand or I can't remember the exact number, but they must have been extremely afraid, and they were. Japan was a imperial force. They were akin to the Nazis. They did terrible things. There were reports coming out of China of right. of genocide, which was real. The rape of Nanking, all these just horrific. Uh, they, they treated their prisoners like dog meat. It was it was terrible. Yeah. And there was a legitimate fear. And Japan in, invaded or bombed Pearl Harbor and yep. destroyed a bunch of our navy. And it was very scary. They they were a superior force in the Pacific. And then we have this huge Western West Coast. And our military at the time was not had not been uh, wasn't robust. It took us a long time to fight back, to strike back at Japan, yeah. because we just didn't have a, a, the Navy and the Marine Force that we needed. Does, does that sort of show a very large schism between the army of Japan and the people? Because these weren't families that had been here for hundreds of years. They were like one generation in, yeah. and yet they seemed to not share any of those destructive values. Right. So the government and military of Japan, I mean, it's very complicated, but yeah. but they were very interested in gaining control because they could. They they were a dominant, obviously, force in that area. They, yeah. they, they rolled over China. They rolled over Korea. They rolled over the Philippines. They they could do whatever they wanted. And they they just, you know, imperialism was big at the time. Yeah. That's why Germany did it. That's why Britain did it. That's why the United States has been doing it. It, 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 it has its benefits. You get control of a country that has a lot of oil. Well, yeah. guess what? You now get cheap oil yeah. for your military and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah. So the people weren't like super belligerent, but they're super loyal to their government as a thing and, and to their emperor. And so, uh, they, you know, of course, political science people will be pulling their hair out as they listen to me talk. But this is this is how I understand it. But the Japanese Americans in in the United States were ambivalent about it. <laughs> I'm imagining. Oh my God, he's getting it so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, that's why they call them eggheads because they <laughs> they listen to this podcast and by the end of the the they episode no they, don't, they don't have any hair. But they, um, Japanese Americans, like for instance, my grandma, when I asked her about the bomb, you know, the, the atomic bomb in Japan, she, I thought what she was going to say, cause I've always seen my grandma as this American. She, she's pro American. Right. She, she converted a Christian or she was raised Christian. Actually, her father converted a Christian, a Christianity. Uh, so she's always just seemed non-Japanese to me, you know, mm -hmm. there were Japanese art on the wall, but, but, uh, she was an American. And so when I asked her about the atomic bomb, I thought she was going to be very American and very yeah. conservative. Cause she's also, she was also very conservative. She was, she died last year. She was 101. And she said that she, she was on the fence on one side. She was glad the war was over, but on the other side, she was extremely upset at the United States for killing all those innocent people. So, right. so uh, there were, uh, you know, uh, it'd, it'd be akin to you and I move to Saudi Arabia 
And then for whatever reason, Saudi, and then, and we have kids, you and me, we adopt kids. Yes. Uh, Are you proposing? How many? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, and then our kids are say 20 years old and they've probably grown up with some American loyalty, right? But so they're not, 100% 100% Saudi Arabian, you know, loyal. Yeah. So so there there was that. But at the same time, uh, the Japanese Americans who lived in the United States uh, were not so loyal that they wanted to sabotage the United States. Yeah, you know, right. There, there were, uh, the reports say that there were no accounts of actual espionage or harm done by Japanese Americans during World War II. Now, some would say, well, it's because you imprisoned all of them. And yeah. some and some were actually literally in prison. For instance, uh, uh, not the, the camp prison, but actual jail prison, federal prison, uh, on suspicion of espionage when all they were doing... So there was a, sp- there was a period of time when Japan was at war and the United States was not. So, in, so Japan had started their war in the 30s. So you have a situation where Japan is in a state of war where there's rations on aluminum and tin and rubber and, and food and all this kind of stuff. And so you would have relatives in Japan who were suffering because of wartime rationing. And so you would send, since America is not at war and you don't have rations and you're making money, you, you would send stuff to your relatives in Japan. Well, that was labeled as like helping the Japanese war effort and therefore they could be in prison in federal prison. And so a lot of, a lot of men got mm. imprisoned because there were records of them actually sending goods to, to their relatives in Japan oh. while they were at war, but they weren't sending them goods on the notion of like, please invade the United States. You know yeah. what I mean? But just another little side note is my uh, mom, my grandma's brother was getting married and they were, they got, they got married in Spokane, Washington and they were, um, they went to the reception and when, and then when they got to the, rece- on the way to the reception, they look over and there are, this is back in the thirties when they would hold up or for, you know, early forties, they'd hold up uh, newspapers and there'd be, you know, read all about it. Get your, uh, yeah. get your news here. You know, the Spokane Chronicle. <laughs> and it said Japs bombed, uh, Pearl Harbor, Japs bombed Hawaii or wow. something. And they're like, huh? That's interesting. I wonder, yeah. I wonder what that means. You know, because to them, they're they're not, they don't know what's they they're just as in the dark. It's about not like it. there's internet, right? <laughs> they're like, huh? The Japanese uh, bombed Hawaii. Where's Hawaii? You know, where's right. Pearl Harbor? Why would they do that? You know, what's going on? Well, they go to the reception and they're trying to have a good time, and then the feds show up and surround oh the God. the reception and shut it down and start arresting people. <gasps> So imagine that's your, that's your, uh, that was like, you know, Pearl Harbor. That was the wedding experience. Yeah. Wow. But anyway, I want to get to the Muslims because in 50 years, our grandchildren are going to be embarrassed by the way our society and government are currently reacting to the situation. Yes, there have been some Muslims and Muslim Americans or Islam, whatever you want to, from that area of the world who have committed crimes, you know, terrible atrocities, some in the name of Islam on American soil. 9-11 is a you know, prime example. Yep. That guy in Florida, uh, if I remember right, uh, wasn't, wasn't he uh, heavily associated with Islam in some way? Yeah. Well, I mean, heavily. I mean, he professed 
association and blah, blah, blah. There's no question there's been huge losses due to that type of extremist and uh, even, you know, uh, and not just in the U.S., obviously, in other places like European countries. and and But the biggest constant losses are in the Middle East by, you know, attacks on one another. Yeah. yeah. So there are atrocities happening. There's terrible things happening. And there are many Christians in this country doing terrible things. Yeah. They don't get labeled as a Christian went on a killing spree. Right. They get labeled as just some guy who went. But whenever they're Muslim, they get labeled as a Muslim who went. There are plenty of atheists who go on killing sprees. There's Mexicans and Swedes and French people and uh, mutt white Americans that are going on killing sprees. Yeah. But we don't label them as part of the Muslim war against America. We just label them as, you know, someone who had a gun. So uh, now, uh, I'm not a political science person. Uh, I wouldn't claim to understand all the ins and outs of immigration law and what's happening recently and, and all that kind of stuff. But I'm, I'm guessing that in 50 years, our grandchildren are going to, they're going to laugh at us. They're going to think, didn't they learn anything from world war two that when you are worried about being harmed by a group of people outside of the United States, did we not, learn anything from World War II, that we should not generalize that worry to every single person that has that label. Yeah. A small, small percentage of the Muslim Americans have committed these crimes. I mean, like 0.001% or something. We're talking like this small percentage by the same measure Everyone should be cut out of the country. You know? yeah. I mean, it's, it's much less, less than that, right? Because it's a billion Muslims. As but I'm saying like in the United States. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, if you really just take into account everyone in the world, yeah, it's just like extremely rare. It happens. Now, what, the other thing I'll say is I'm not saying we should just like fling open the doors to our borders and just say like anyone can come. We should probably vet people. We should probably look into some people's backgrounds. But if we don't see anything, then they should be given the same opportunity that anyone else gets. Why do you think they should use animal doctors for these people? <laughs> well, you know, uh, they're animals, immigrants. No, <laughs> Jesus, just joking. Um, so, yeah, the bottom line is, obviously, when we get scared, we violate our own constitution and our own Bill of Rights and our own American way. Yeah, and that's just terrible. Any any thoughts on that, bro? Yeah, I mean, I I cannot directly relate because uh, although I have certainly experienced and seen things that are horrible uh, in my country, as I've spoken about on the podcast, uh, the idea of being rounded up or those that I know and love being rounded up that I have luckily not uh, experienced directly, but I can only imagine, and it sounds terrible. It sounds just life destroying. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, I regret. Yeah, but, yeah and the, any, the, the anyway. thing, the yeah. thing that um, the American government benefited from is there's this thing in Japanese culture, particularly back then. I can't remember the Japanese word for it, but basically it means 
there's a couple, there's a number of philosophies that really helped. One was just like endure. I can't remember. There, there's just, there's this ideal of an, just enduring suffering. Mm. You just, you endure it. And so you just, you just look at each other and you say that Japanese word and you just sort of know like oh. where we endure. Another one is, is to follow orders. You don't question the way that Imperial Japan oh, blindly followed the emperor and did whatever the emperor mm-hmm. wanted. I mean, it was akin to a, a good analogy to today's world is North Korea, yeah. actually. You know how when the people are just like crying when, right. you know, blah, blah, blah. That's the way Japan was back then. Uh, now, again, more political science people are pulling their hair out. Historians <laughs> are pulling their hair out. But but there, it's hard to imagine a society for us Americans and us Westerners to imagine a society where the emperor is like everything to you, you right. know, the, em- the emperor is where even if he betrays campaign promises, you still will go to bat for him <laughs> or her. <laughs> so let's uh, p- pick someone for uh, swag uh, among the patrons. All right. Uh, and I'm going to s- start scrolling among Scroll. all of them. Okay. And let me know when you're starting. I'm scrolling. I'm you're scrolling. You're scroll. Okay. Joe, uh, Joe from Kansas. Caroline on J again. Wow, weird. Joe, yeah. Well, actually, uh, they're not in alphabetical oh, order. Oh, okay. Well, that explains um, All right. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle in which we super meanderingly talked about the movie Come See the Paradise. Thank you, patron Cora, for learning me about this. And everyone, please take care of yourself, including patron... Joe and patron Cora, because you deserve it, don't you? I think it's your inalienable right.